comes to you in the form of a poem. It's called The Ring, and it was written by Thomas More in the mid-1800s. The Ring The happy day at length arrived when Rupert was to wed. The fairest maid in Saxony had taken her to his bed. As soon as morn was in the sky, the feast and sports began. The men admired the happy maid, the maids, the happy man. In many a sweet device of mirth, the day was passed along, and some the faintly dance amused, and some the dulcet song. The younger maids with Isabel disported through the bowers, and decked her robe and crowned her head with motley bridal flowers. The matrons, all in rich attire within the castle walls, sat listening to the choral strains that echoed through the halls. Young Rupert and his friends repaired unto a spacious court to strike the bounding tennis ball in feet and manly sport. The bridegroom on his finger had the wedding ring so bright, which was to grace the lily hand of Isabel that night. And fearing he might break the gem or lose it in the play, he looked round the court to see where he might the ring lay. Now in the court a statue stood, which there full long had been. It was a heathen goddess, or perhaps a heathen queen. Upon its marble finger then he tried the ring to fit, and thinking it was safest there, thereon he fastened it. And now the tennis sports went on, till they were wearied all, and messengers announced to them their dinner in the hall. Young Rupert for his wedding ring unto the statue went, but oh, how he was shocked find the marble finger bent. The hand was closed upon the ring with firm and mighty clasp. In vain he tried and tried and tried. He could not lose the grasp. How sore surprised was Rupert's mind, as well as mind might be. All come, he quoth, at night again, when none are here to see. He went unto the feast, and much he thought upon his ring, and much he wondered what could mean so very strange a thing. The feast was o'er, and to the court he went without delay, resolved to break the marble hand and force the ring away. But mark a stranger wondered still, the ring was there no more. It was the marble hand ungrasped and open as before. He searched the base and all the court, and nothing he could find, but to the castle did return, with sour, bewildered mind. Within he found them all in mirth, the night and dancing flew, the youth another ring procured, and none the adventure knew. And now the priest has joined their hands, the hours of love advance, Rupert almost forgets to think, Upon the morn's mischance, 
Within the bed, fair Isabel, in blushing sweetness lay, like flowers have opened by the dawn, and waiting for the day. And Rupert, by her lovely side, in youthful beauty glows, like Phoebus when he lends to cast his beams upon a rose. And here my song shall leave them both, nor let the rest be told, but for the horrid, horrid tale it yet has to unfold. Soon Rupert twixt his bride and him, a death-cold carcass found. He saw it not, but thought he felt its arms embrace him round. He started up and then returned, but found the phantom still. In vain he shrunk, it clipped him round with damp and deadly chill. And when he bent the earthly lips, a kiss of horror gave. Was like the smell from charnelled vaults, or from the mouldering grave. Ill-fated Rupert, wild and loud, thou criedst to thy wife, O oh, save me from this horrid fiend, my Isabel, my life. But Isabel had nothing seen, she looked around in vain, and much she mourned the mad conceit that racked her Rupert's brain. At length from this invisible these words to Rupert came. O oh God, while well, he did hear the words, what terrors shook his frame. Husband, husband, I've the ring thou gavest today to me, and thou art to me forever wed, as I am wed to thee. And all the night the demon lay, cold and chilling by his side, and strained him with such deadly grasp he thought he should have died. But when the dawn of day was near, the horrid phantom fled, and left the affrighted youth to weep by Isabel in bed. All, all that day a gloomy cloud was seen upon Rupert's brows. Fair Isabel was likewise sad but strove to cheer her spouse. And as the day advanced, he thought of coming night with fear, ah, that he must with terror view that bed that should be dear. At length the second night arrived, again their couch they pressed, for Rupert hoped that all was o'er, and looked for love and rest. But, oh, when midnight came again, the fiend was at his side, and as it strained him in its grasp, with a howl exulting cried, Husband, husband, I've the ring, the ring thou gavest to me, and thou art to me forever wed, as I am wed to thee. In agony of wild despair, you started from the bed, and thus to his bewildered wife the trembling Rupert said, O oh, Isabel, dost thou not see a shape of horrors here that strains me to the deadly kiss and keeps me from my dear? No, no, my love, my Rupert, I no shape of horrors see, and much I mourn the fantasy that keeps my dear from me. This night, just like the night before, in terrors passed away, nor did the demon vanish thence before the dawn of day. Says Rupert then, my Isabel, dear partner of my woe, 
To Father Austin's holy cave this instant will I go. Now Austin was a reverend man who acted wonders maimed, whom all the country round believed, a devil or a saint. To Father Austin's holy cave then Rupert went full straight, and told him all and asked him how to remedy his fate. The father, the youth, and then retired a while to pray, and having prayed for half an hour, returned and thus did say, There is a place where four roads meet, which I will tell to thee. Be there this eve at fall of night, and list what thou shalt see. Thou shalt see a group of figures pass, and strange disordered crowd, Traveling by torchlight through the roads with noises strange and loud, and one that's high above the rest, terrific towering o'er, will make thee know him at a glance. So I need say no more. To him from me these tablets give; they'll soon be understood. Thou needest not fear, but give them straight. I've scrawled them with my blood. The nightfall came, and Rupert all in pale amazement went to where the crossroads met, and he was by the father sent. And lo, a group of figures came in strange, disordered crowd, traveling by torchlight through the roads with noises strange and loud. And as the gloomy train advanced, Rupert beheld from far a female form of wanton mane seated upon a car. And Rupert, as he gazed upon the loosely vested dame, thought of the marvel statue's look, for hers was just the same. Behind her walked a hideous form with eyeballs flashing death. Whene'er he breathed, a sulfured smoke came churning in his breath. He seemed the first of all the crowd, terrific, towering o'er. Yes, yes, said Rupert, this is he, and I need ask no more. Then slow he went, and to this fiend the tablets trembling gave, who looked and read them with a yell that would disturb the grave. And when he saw the blood-scrawled name, his eyes with fury shined. I thought, cries he, his time was out, but he must soon be mine. Then darting at the youth a look, which rent his soul with fear, he went unto the female fiend, and whispered in her ear. The female fiend no sooner heard than with reluctant look, the very ring that Rupert lost, she from her finger took. And giving it unto the youth with eyes that breathed of hell, she said in that tremendous voice which he remembered well, In Austin's name take back the ring, the ring thou gavest to me, and thou art to me no longer wed, no longer I to thee. He took the ring, the rabble passed, he home returned again. His wife was then the happiest fair, the happiest he of men. I have a few more poems to read to you tonight. 
next one is called Song. On the birthday of Mrs. Blank. Oh, all my happiest hours of joy, and even I have my measure, when hearts are full and every eye has kindled with the beams of pleasure. Such hours as this I ne'er was given, so dear to friendship, dear to blisses. Young love himself looks down from heaven to smile on such a day as this is. Then, oh, my friends, this hour improve, let's feel as if we ne'er could sever. And may the birth of her we love be thus with joy remembered e'er. Oh, banish every thought tonight which could disturb our soul's communion, abandoned thus to dear delight, while e'en for once forget the union. On that let statesmen try their powers and tremble o'er the rights they die for. The union of the soul be ours, and every union else we sigh for. Then, oh, my friends, as our improve, let's feel as if we ne'er could sever. And may the birth of her we love be thus with joy remembered ever. And every eye around I mark the feelings of the heart o'erflowing. From every soul I catch the spark of sympathy and friendship glowing. Oh, could such moments ever fly? Oh, that we ne'er were doomed to lose her. And all as bright as Charlotte's eye, and all as pure as Charlotte's bosom. But oh, my friends, this hour improve, let's feel as if we ne'er could sever, and may the birth of her we love be thus with joy remembered e'er. I wish a lot of these came with their original music intonations, but unfortunately, I'm afraid I don't have copies of those, and I don't know that whisper singing would translate very well. But let me read you a few more poems tonight. To a boy with a watch, written for a friend. Is it not sweet, beloved youth, to rove through erudition's bowers and cull the golden fruits of truth and gather fancy's brilliant flowers? And is it not more sweet than this to feel thy parents' hearts approving and pay them back in sums of bliss the dear, the endless debt of loving? It must be so to thee, my youth, with this idea, toil is lighter, the sweetness all the fruits of truth, and makes the flowers of fancy brighter. The little gift we send to thee, boy, may sometimes teach thy soul to ponder. If indolence or siren joy should ever tempt that soul to wander, twill tell thee that the wing of today can ne'er be chained by man's endeavor, that life and time shall fade away while heaven and virtue bloom forever.
as a dream to blank the morning of her birthday. Thomas More was very fond of birthday poems. He has a whole section in this book I have. In witching slumbers of the night, I dreamed I was the airy sprite that on the natal moment smiled and thought I wafted on my wing those flowers which in Elysium's spring to crown my lovely mortal child. With olive branch I bound the head, heart's ease along thy path I shed, which was to bloom through all thy years, nor yet did I forget to bind love's roses with his myrtle twined, endued by sympathetic tears. Such was the wild but precious spoon which fancy at her magic noon bade me to Nona's image pay. Oh, were I love thus doomed to be, that little guardian deity, that blessed around thy steps I'd play. Thy life should softly steal along, calm as some lonely shepherd's song. That's heard at distance in the grove, no cloud should ever shade the sky, no thorns along thy pathway lie. But all be sunshine, peace, and love. The wing of time should never brush the dewy lips, luxuriant flush, to bid its roses withering die, nor age itself, though dim and dark, should ever quench a single spark that flashes from by Nona's eye. Julia on her birthday. When time was entwining the garland of years, which to crown my beloved was given, though some of the leaves might be sullied with tears, yet the flowers were all gathered to heaven. And long may this garland be sweet to the eye, may its verdure forever be new. Young love shall enrich it with many a sigh, and pity shall nurse it with dew. This next poem is called Nonsense. Good reader, if you e'er have seen, when Phoebus hastens to his pillow, the mermaids with their dresses green dancing upon the western billow, if you have seen at twilight dim, when the lone spirit's vesper hymn floats wild along the winding shore, if you have seen through mist of eve the fairy train their ringlets weave, glancing along the spangled green, if you have seen all this and more, God bless me, what a deal you have seen. To a lady on her singing. Thy song has taught my heart to feel those soothing thoughts of heavenly love, which o'er the sainted spirit steal when listening to the spears above. When tired of life and misery, I wish to sigh my latest breath. O oh, Emma, I will fly to thee, and thou shalt sing me into death. And 
they're no longer attached uh, to, to anything. And the outside of the book is completely moved away as well. But this book is, oh goodness, I would venture to say, based on the inscription in the front, which places it as belonging to a Jane Baker um, when it was given to her in December of 1878. And I know that the book was published about 10 to 15 years before that. So this book is about 150 plus years old. I don't think it'd be very soothing to hear me calculate the math in my head, so I won't do that to you. But this book is quite old. It's actually one of the older books in my collection. I have just a fair few others that are slightly older, but I don't remember where I got this one from. But I've had it for decades. It's been well-loved, for sure. And it's of an edition where they actually have some pictures in it. And when I got it, there were dried plants, because it is quite a thick book. But there are some dried plants nestled in between a few of the pages. So, those are always fun to take a look at and speculate how long they've been in the book and how old those are because I'm sure some of the plants in here are older than I am. So not, not to give away what my age is or what it might be close to. But I hope that you found these poems by Thomas More relaxing or at the very least I hope you found them amusing and restful for you. If you want to know a little bit more about Thomas More, there is plenty of information about him online, but he was best known as an Irish poet, singer, songwriter, and entertainer. And he is now best remembered for the lyrics of The Minstrel Boy and The Last Rose of Summer. He was also named Lord Byron's literary executor, along with John Murray. So he was responsible for burning Lord Byron's memoirs after his death. But he lived from 1979 to 1852 in the UK. There's a little bit about him there. But you enjoyed this episode, you're always welcome to rate the podcast, um, to rate the episodes, and to provide any feedback. I'm always happy to hear what you have to say, and I am always listening to any feedback, good or bad, so it won't hurt my feelings if you think that I should do something differently, or if I should avoid 
certain topics for this podcast. I'm here for you, and I hope you have a good night, good night, and sweet.